0: Traveling
1: the vortex We've joined the doctor as he travels a vortex, and nothing in the world can stop us from arriving at episode number two hundred and eighty-three. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well.
2: I'm practicing my maniacal laugh. <laughs>
1: Guys, have a good week. That's a good maniacal laugh, by the way.
2: Thank you. <laughs> yes, I had an okay week uh, until this weekend. Then it was okay, and then it was not. And then it got a little rough. and Then it was okay again. Glenn, how was your week?
3: It's kind of the same. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> I'm tired.
1: I did a lot of yard work today.
2: I saw pictures. Yeah. So we, uh,
1: couple oh, about a month ago, Sarah had cut out a. Little evergreen bush that we had on the other on the north side of our porch, and so today we ripped out the root, planted a hydrangea bush, and laid the tarp down and put in lava rock.
2: We also did some yard work. We worked on Mel's flower garden, and she picked up flowers. And she has a very beautiful rainbow assortment going on. And I asked her if any of these would come back next year. She says, no, they're just this year. <laughs> and I looked at her and said, this was way too much work <laughs> for that.
3: We went and uh, picked up our dishwasher yesterday. We've had on layaway at Sears for about two months. And we're all excited. And we thought, you know, the easiest way to probably get it in would be in the back door. So we hauled it up on the deck. And just as we got to the door, the whole deck went boom, Dropped. Oh. Serious? Yeah, it's only about four feet high. So, Holly, me and the dishwasher on it. so oh. And it just went straight down. And we just kind of both looked at each other and smiled because it was just <laughs> funny at the time. And I think that the wood was so soft because the, the water is... All around. So, all around. All, all, every nail point in it just gave way and it just went...
1: You're lucky it all happened you know. at the same time. Yeah, yeah.
3: exactly. I, we thought the same thing, but we really just all we could do is laugh about it. What's in the news, guys? Well, we start with some unfortunate news. Um, our friends
2: up at British Fest are uh, reporting that uh, last year's guest and time meddy guest and this year's British Fest guest, uh, second Doctor cosplayer Bill Brower, um, has all but passed away. Um, the news from his family is, uh, as I quote. Hello, Chris. The Bill we all knew and loved is gone. We're just waiting for God to take him home. He has been my best friend since 1982, and he was so looking forward to coming to Omaha to be with everyone. They've removed his all's monitors, letting him go peacefully, and it's okay to tell everyone his wife was okay with everyone know, everyone knowing about how he is. Um, I believe it was a pin stroke is uh, apparently what started it. And uh, we, we, we found out um, yesterday... Yeah, that that he was apparently in the hospital and was not going to be able to make it to British Fest. And um, it moved quick, apparently. Um, Yeah,
1: it sounds like he was in really well good health ahead of this. Yeah,
2: and it's really sad. I had actually contacted him. I mean, we'd seen Bill uh, at at British Fest and then again at Time Eddie, and I felt kind of bad because it was kind of one of those things that we had intended to do uh, an interview with him for the show. And at British Fest... He had already lost his voice by the time we came and, and caught up yeah. to him. I don't know if he had an early case of concred then, or, or what the deal was, but he would kind of just lost it all together. And we said, "Well, we'll catch up with you later." And then uh, time Eddie, he was so busy, and we were so busy, we just never managed to kind of coordinate. And I was looking forward to seeing him at British Fest, and I, uh, I had a little short film uh, project that I'd asked about. You know, would you be interested in, in playing the Second Doctor in this? And just immediately, he was like, "Yeah, absolutely." I'm like, well, do you want to read the script first? He goes, Yeah, you can send it. <laughs> I mean, just the, the guy's was an absolute joy and the, one of the nicest people. And yeah. uh, this is just—it's uh, got to be devastating. So, um, you know, obviously, our our thoughts are with his family um, tonight as they go through this. But um, and his friends. It, it's 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 kind of a rough one that you know we didn't. We, he wasn't exactly a friend. Uh, you know, I don't think I can go quite that far with it, but. You know, somebody you, knew, somebody you knew and interacted with, yeah. uh, uh, friends with him on Facebook and whatnot, and just kind of all of a sudden, whoosh, gone. So, kind of uh, kind of bummed out by that one. Uh, and those going to British Fest, looks like they're gonna,
1: going to do a tribute panel just to Bill. So, that'll be a nice, a nice memorial way to remember the man.
3: Of course, thoughts, prayers, and meditations go out to his family and loved ones.
1: Let's move on to some not-so-sad news. Uh, The Doctor Who magazine had its 500th issue. Congratulations, Doctor Who 500 issues. 500
2: 500 issues. issues.
1: Wow. They got a Guinness World Record for it. Um, But we've also got some tidbits for Series 10 out of the magazine. Um, Moffat has said it it won't start filming until July... And that, unlike last year, it will mostly comprise of single-part stories. Um, he says, two-parters worked brilliantly last year, but somehow with a new companion, you want a simpler version of the show. By last year, the Doctor and Clara had been there for so long, it was complica- oh, It was a complicated relationship by then, so we needed bigger stories. Next year, we'll have some two-parters, but we'll be back to one-parters mostly. Uh, and Moffat himself is writing four and whatever else he has to do, as ever. Uh, he's getting down to the first episode, and we will probably write the final three also. So, And they've got some very strong scripts from other writers. How do you guys feel about going back to mostly one-parters?
3: Well, I think it's a good idea. Um, I sort of liked the two-episode format, because it kind of harkened back to the days of the cliffhangers. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, I kind of agree with Moffat's statement that when you've got a new... Companion, you sort of uh, want to make more shorter, concise stories so that you can really exercise the, her talent and the means that she, give her very different things to do. So yeah, that give her more variety. material. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I kind of assumed that series nine was going to be a bit of an anomaly season in that two-parter aspect of it. Yeah. I, I think the two-parters worked brilliantly, and they they worked so well. But I did not expect it to continue beyond that season.
2: I'm of the same opinion. I, I remember being a little disappointed when I first heard that. And then Moffat's explanation makes perfect sense as to why you would do it that way and not have the, the two-parters. So, well, on the one hand, it's like, oh, because I, I enjoyed, well, post-show like after the second week, I enjoyed the cliffhanger. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it in the middle of it. You didn't it was- like
1: having the f- story unfinished week to week. Well,
2: it was, just, I mean, no. No, it's, I didn't. Um, <laughs> some of our reviews weren't
1: that great for the first episode because we didn't see the full story or we felt like we couldn't review it fully because we were halfway through it.
2: It was great to sit in a room full of people and get to the, the cliffhanger and go,
3: oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> everybody was mad. But, um, yeah, I, I explained, I, I, I get it. Yeah. The explanation makes that sense.
3: That happened twice, didn't it? Because it happened once with Magician's Apprentice when we were at TopCon, <laughs> and it happened again with uh, Under the Lake. At, at, at beneath, Time Eddie. Beneath yeah. the lake, yeah. Beneath, at no. Time Eddie.
2: Yes.
1: Under the lake, before the flood.
2: Under the lake, before the flood. Under the lake.
3: Under the lake, yep.
2: Before the flood, under the lake. I don't remember. Yep,
3: it was under the lake. Okay. Because the lake was already I think there, under and then the they went the back in time. And before the flood makes more sense. It, they the were under the lake. Day. Yeah, okay. They were under the lake at the beginning of that one, and then they went back before the flo- Flood for the second one. <clears throat> did you guys see the uh, runners-ups in the winter for the best uh, cover for Doctor Who magazine? <coughs> they uh, did a little oh uh, special on Doctor Who magazine where they were asking fans to determine what their favorite cover of Doctor Who magazine was, and this is actually second place. It's from 1979, oh. <laughs> and it... I can't remember which issue it is. Uh, of oh, course, I'm on a slideshow, so it keeps flipping through, but... Uh, Tom
2: Baker with a dollar. I actually
3: have this issue. I, oh. I picked it up in Dean's book one time, and so I was like, oh, too bad it wasn't number one, but... Uh, and then number one was this...
0: That is a pretty oh.
3: one. Yeah, so I think that's... Uh, oh, wait, no, that says 50th anniversary souvenir issue. Hang on. That, that may not be the <laughs> And the winner is... Oh, no, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> it's both in first place oh 467 a beautiful rendering of the TARDIS and the Citadel yeah that's the one that's it I
2: would have guessed the uh, David Tennant reading the uh, Tom Baker issue yeah it's not I thought for sure that one would have been on there Uh, I've always liked that one uh,
3: going back uh, this one actually is one of my favorites and I think out of that batch I probably would have picked that one I liked that Mm, one one. that's
2: a good one Uh, Sylvester
3: and all the and it's got kind of a five doctors, doctors feel to it. Yeah. yeah, Actually there's seven doctors. In that. Um, then Kylie Minogue on the cover of one of them was uh, seventh place. Elizabeth, the special tribute to Elizabeth Sladen, uh, two forty, was eighth oh. place. The Peter Davison returning as the Doctor on the oh. the tenth <laughs> Doctor era was. So yeah, there's. But if you uh, go to Doctor Who Magazine, there's actually a list of them. DoctorWhoMagazine.com. There's actually a list of them. You can look at them.
2: And um, will you uh, put a link to that uh, list sure. in our show notes Absolutely. Absolutely. so that people know what we're talking about? Since you brought visual <laughs> mediums to the uh, podcast today, Glenn. Uh, the
1: magazine also gave us a little bit of tidbits about Bill. Bill the companion. Bill the companion. <laughs> Uh, Moffat confirms Bill is short for Billy, unless he changes his mind. <laughs> uh, and she is once again from the present day. Boo! He says, quote, She's from now, yeah. yeah. I know there are rumors about her being from the 80s, but she isn't. She's just wearing what young people are wearing now. I know that because Pearl chose her outfit herself.
2: Which is all fine and dandy-dandy and fine, but it would have been nice to have had a companion Maybe she chose not... That. From the current era, maybe she
3: chose that as a subliminal message to Moffat that hey, maybe I should be from the eighties, but he just didn't didn't pick up on it. He went, oh, that must be what the young people are wearing today. (laughs) Hey, you young
2: whippersnappers with your Prince t-shirts and your denim jeans. (laughs) In my head, that's how Moffat talks on the show. Uh, I got
0: you.
1: Uh, He does promise that Bill will be very different from Clara. Uh, it's about time for somebody a bit more gobby and, you know, funnier. Um, the note As giving, if to imply that
2: Clara is not. <laughs> yeah.
1: The note we're giving Serious Sin writers is Bill is someone who asks the questions that nobody has asked for 53 years. Uh, there is a bit of Donna Noble vibe Yeah, with her. We kind of said that, I think, when we yeah.
3: saw the trailer. Which... Don't call her that. That's mean. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm trying Sean, to think how I want to I say mean, this. Are you calling Donna Noble that? No, no, I'm no, not I'm calling Donna Noble. What like I'm passes. saying is... i got
2: to think how I want to phrase this. I don't know that I want a Donna Noble-esque companion. Why
3: not?
2: Because I love Donna Noble, and I want Donna I think, Noble to remain Donna Noble. D-
3: Donna Noble vibe is okay,
2: I yeah. think. Well, as, as yeah, long so as she rip-off. makes a character her own. As long as that's where we go with it. So,
1: so, like, some of the questions... I, makes- give
2: me my moment to fan-geek out over something and obsess over something that hasn't even started filming yet, will you? Because <laughs> obviously that's going to be an issue.
3: Of Doctor Who magazine?
2: Yes. <laughs> 501.
1: <laughs> uh, some of the questions he references is, how is... How different is it having two hearts? Is one a backup? Do you have very, very high blood pressure? So those sort of questions to add some comedy to it. And he's also confirmed that she will not appear in the 2016 Christmas special. She will appear in the first episode of 2017, so Series 10 proper. So we'll get a guest companion in Christmas.
3: I know who I'm rooting for. Which is funny because... Won't happen. (laughs) Who are you rooting for? Jack. Jack. Oh. I want jackpack It's funny because uh, somebody was musing on a podcast this week That uh, she won't be in the Christmas special So they've made that announcement now And in six months people will have forgotten And they'll go Hey, where? what happened to that new companion? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's probably <laughs> what'll happen
1: Moffat also says that How we first encounter her And how we first encounter the Doctor next year Is very unusual for us mm.
2: Hmm. I think most
1: season premieres are unusual.
2: Yeah. <laughs> eh. Most companion intros can be Yeah, unusual.
1: especially.
3: <laughs> Case in point, Donna Noble. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> There's only one. Well, we just didn't know re- if she was going to be a companion. <laughs> we didn't know she was going to be... The reintroduction be, is a we bit unusual, she- too.
2: This is one of the problems I have with, with current who fandom slash plugged in this is that we go through every episode with a, a, a guest star, with somebody that comes into the show and is doing their thing, and I get all a flutter. And it's like, oh, this person's great. This person should be a companion. This person... Please take this person with you. And then at the end of the episode, it's either yes or no. And obviously it's no, because I didn't get a magazine article 15 different... TV spots and uh, a thousand internet blurbs about so-and-so is going to be the new companion. So when we go to watch this episode next year and Bill shows up, I won't have that same, oh, I wonder if this is going to be the new <laughs> companion. Because obviously I already know it. It's been spoiled for
1: me. Well, they kind of did a reverse of that with Danny last uh, two years ago. It was Everyone assumed he was going to be a companion, and he really wasn't. He was just a supporting character. Yeah, he just kind of was there. So I, I, I wonder if they could pull something off like that and add as additional surprise
3: companion there was that um instance where uh, they introduced donna noble in the runaway bride and i absolutely hated her i did yep. not like her <laughs> i was like oh, i'm glad she was only a one-off and then when they announced that donna noble was going to be the companion i went oh man and i'll say it right here i was completely wrong because she's up there as one of my favorite companions in the new series She's it's genius. probably my favorite companion in the new series.
2: It was absolutely genius. I think I've said this before, but the way that RTD set that up with knowing everybody is heartbroken over Rose leaving. And it doesn't matter how awesome the new companion is, people are going to hate her because she's not Rose. And they still did. So let's give you a companion to hate. <laughs> I mean, that 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 is the brash, the in-your-face, the constant... Rah! All of that was specifically designed to get the hackles up and have everybody go, uh And by the end of Runaway Bride, it was kind of like, well, all right, I guess if you're going to invite her along, I'm kind of okay with it, but not really. And then she said no, and I was like, touchdown, yes! <laughs> and then we got a new companion, which, of course, as you said, people hate it anyway, which is totally unfair. Yeah, especially to her. But then we brought Donna back and fixed everything, and it was just like, oh, this is awesome, she's so cool. <laughs> It's fun to go back and watch Runaway Bride now, knowing what we know. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: and seeing the shades of the characters that she will become. There are elements in there. You just got to kind of look for them. It's interesting
3: though to go back and watch that particular episode because she's not any different. And all the things that I didn't like about her, I turn around and do like about her in the series. It's it's (laughs) you, you go. I just can't quite put my finger on why I didn't like her, but it's it really is she she's still the same Donna Noble she she grows as a character throughout oh, season, yeah, series absolutely. 4 but when, when they pick right up although it, it it really helps that partners in crime is so well written yeah so well true. written and the co- the comedic timing in it are just so well done so
1: um, big finishes continuing that torch really well are they uh, excited i'm Any, almost I'm gonna, done with the last story and they are really good i'm starting it this week where do these fall uh, well, one, I know Falls directly before Silence in the Library. Okay. But they're just in that season. I mean, they don't, that's the only.
2: I didn't know if there was like a specific. Between only, this episode and this episode, are going to be all of. That's the, the only
1: reference I've
3: heard. You was, can go to um, Big Finish Often and find out where. Uh, stories okay. and, I haven't
1: gone to look, yeah. but. Yeah, that's work. I uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and References in there has only been the one. That it's. Okay, we're going to go to a library now. Kind of thing, which was a nice little moment. But they're good stories. And then there, There's a nice variety in them, which I'm even more impressed by.
3: Cool. Of course, you'll get our full review on those soon. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think I've tipped my hand, but that's all that's right.
3: That's all right. You didn't spoil it much. All right. Uh, what else in the news, Keith? That's it in the news. All right. Well, we have not heard from a winner on our um, lottery, so that begs the to- question right, do we do give we it give one, it more, one week? more week i think we should i think we should have at the very least give them three weeks and if they don't we don't hear uh from a winner this week then i think we'll uh, we will pass will it on and, and draw another winner uh there is a chance because it was it has been a few weeks since we since been a few months since we uh, sent the price packages out uh however you can't blame us because we didn't we tell you to them. hold on to that ticket uh, we we however, told you
2: on air, and we included a note in your nice little gift basket that said, "Hold on to this." So,
3: if you uh, <laughs> if you have this
1: ticket, three three five four nine six. One more time, three three five four
3: nine six. If you have that number on your lottery ticket, your prize package that you got as a Patreon supporter, we have a special gift for you, and we want to give it away. And we want to give it away to the first person that drew, but Unfortunately, if we can't by next week, if we haven't heard from anybody on that number, then uh, we will draw another number, to be fair. All right? So those of you that have your tickets and you weren't a winner and you looked and you went, oh, that's not my number, darn. Hold on to those tickets because (laughs) you could still be drawn if uh, no one claims this prize. The winner, make sure you
1: send us an email at feedback at travelingthevortex.com or you can go to our website and fill out the form there and submit the feedback. You could also tweet to us at Travel Vortex or send us a message on Facebook, Traveling the Vortex. Heck, if, you, if, you, if you want to take a picture on Instagram and tag yeah. us in it,
3: we'll see it. If you have uh, uh, sent us emails saying, hey, have the ticket, and we haven't gotten it for some reason, tweet us or Facebook, tweet us, or Facebook us and us, and us to Make sure we, we've got it. Uh, uh, we did have some email issues, but I think those are all ir- ironed out, and things seem to be coming through okay. So, yeah. um, And uh, just to keep the lawyers happy, make sure you give us a snapshot of that picture or that uh, ticket so that we can verify that that number is correct. So all right, <laughs> yeah, because we have lawyers. <laughs> I guess I should say right now, if you are a supporter on Patreon, we thank you very much. Uh, I think we've got some more uh, fun things, especially uh, for Patreon survi- su- subscribers. survivors. Were you just going to go there, <laughs> survivors? Well, Patreon that's supporters
2: what we have in store <laughs> <laughs> nothing in the world can stop me now sorry i got excited
3: we do have some other things special planned especially for our patron supporters because uh we want to do something a little special for you guys because you guys do support us um if you're not a patron supporter uh, consider doing so uh all of the proceeds to, from those uh donations do go straight back into this show in order to keep this podcast going from week to week and uh we appreciate every bit of help that we can get all right let's move on to oh, sh- our reviews. Reviews. You'll be able to read that in the dark. Yes. We're not experiencing a power outage here. We just decided to turn the lights off because it's immensely hot. Actually, it's cooled down a bit now. That I, you know. I told you to was, was all the in, lights. But, uh, but we have the lights off so as to. Uh, <laughs> that works. Keep it cool in here. The
1: underwater menace, the TARDIS lands in the lost city of Atlantis, where the crazed Professor Zaroff has convinced the Atlanteans that he can raise their city from beneath the sea. But the doctor discovers the terrible truth behind Zaroff's plan. He intends to destroy the entire planet. With Doomsday clock ticking, the doctor and his companions must battle to prevent
2: the apocalypse. Dun dun dun! And Glenn's gonna go. That's way too strong.
3: That was way too strong. I'll tell you. I'm not sure where Keith comes down on this. Is point. one of those things that I, I'm of two minds. I'm glad I read the book. Because I think I appreciated the story better, based on the fact that I read the book, the book, and was the, book great. the book helps especially with the non-moving picture <laughs> episodes that yeah. we had to endure. Yeah. Um, but I I, I, I quite enjoyed the book. I don't think it was the best Doctor Who around, and and uh, but but it was it was fun. It really felt like a second Doctor story from the book. I think the problem is because it's number one hundred and forty, I think, in the line. Uh, it was written far enough down the line that I think they were able to kind of capture the spirit and character of the second Doctor that we know later in Trouton's run. Yeah. Because when you watch this one, you can still see him trying to find his legs, because this is only the third story in. Uh, Power of the Daleks is first, and then the Highlanders, where they pick up Jamie, and then this one. And uh, actually it was, I think, on the special features that they talked about, I think it was Robert Sherman that talked about how you can tell that Patrick kind of develops his doctor in this story, and it probably would not have happened had he not been playing off the actor that played Zaroff, uh, Joseph First. And the reason being is because when Joseph First being so over the top and scenery chewing, Patrick Troughton had to kind of calculate how he would play off or against that. And that's what sort of developed the character of the Doctor. And I think we see that. I think we, we get that. But you can still see not so much the Doctor that we get by the time we get to, say, Tomb of the Cybermen or some of the better ones, uh, the Invasion, things like that that we, we've seen and we've got to know the Doctor, even the Crotons. Um, but you start to see shades and glimmers of that. And unfortunately, because Power of the Daleks and... The Highlanders, Highlanders. neither one exists at all in the archive and we're all reliant on audio and uh, novelizations will unfortunately get very little of a sample of how the Doctor was portrayed in those. Now I've actually seen the reconstruction for Power of the Daleks and I can tell a a drastic difference even in the audio from the second Doctor there and the second Doctor here Mm. but I think that it, by reading the novel, it sort of paints the Doctor in that familiar Doctor that we know. It's familiarity of the second Doctor that we know, and going back and watching this is such an abstract difference. Now, even though he's starting to find his feet, it's still very much an abstract difference. Maybe I that's
1: think, why I like the novel a bit more. It, I
3: think it could be. I think that's what's... what's, what's f- but on the flip side of that, I'm really glad that I read the book, <laughs> because this story would have been really, number one, painful to watch. Not having some of the foreknowledge of what was going on, especially in those two bookend episodes that have yeah. no, uh, that, that don't exist right now uh, right now. <laughs> and uh, so it, it helped with those. And I think once we get to the moving scenes, I found myself critiquing how they did it on television versus how they did it on the book and going, "Oh, they did this so much better in the book and this works so much better." And lines are shifted around a bit. Yeah. Uh, I, is it Lolum? Is that his name? The priest is actually given a bigger role in the novelization yeah. than he is in the, the series. And in fact, uh, Ramo got most of the lines that is assigned to uh, uh, Lolum in the book. And I actually like the way that the book treated it better. And by the end of the episode, Zaroff just dies because of his own uh, demise in the water yeah, he in, drowns, the, in the yeah. TV whereas Lolom is hiding in ambush and actually shoots him in the book, which I think works a lot better.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
2: I disagree. I I agree with everything you said up until that point. And the reason that I don't agree with you about Zarop's demise goes a long way into explaining why I give this a dun-dun-dun and a fairly big one. And I think most of it rests on the shoulders of Zarov as a character. This guy's nuts—just <laughs> plain nuts—and it was great because we didn't get a villain with motivation. We didn't get a villain with uh, a, an axe to grind, or a tragic backstory, a tragic backstory, back or th- he's just
3: because he's it's crazy. there,
2: yeah, you know. And in, even power the doctor the seems. Power. Power. A little taken aback by it, by like, <laughs> what? Like he was expecting a big machination, or you're in league with somebody, or who's the? No.
3: Well, it also helps that the second doctor has some uh, amount of Knowledge obvious, of well, obvious admiration for the man as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He he, he comments a couple
2: different times about you know, all well, the scientists back on land were fools, and you know they they never appreciated me. So I guess there's. There's a little bit of that, you know, you've got this coming. We think
3: there is. No, you're right. But you're, you, everything you just said is absolutely true about the character, but he's very two-dimensional. He is he's very,
2: very, very two-dimensional. And I, I found that to be awesomely refreshing. Oh,
3: because so, so
1: enjoyable. Just like the, the crazy woman in the Crimson Aura. We found that refreshing, too. Right. She was just evil and crazy. She was just
2: evil and crazy. And, and you need those
1: characters every once in a while.
2: That's exactly it. Just And, and putting... This particular character in this particular situation, where he has managed to upsurp all of the real power uh, from the Atlanteans and put together a scientific team underneath him that are all only partially trained in their jobs. You know, that, that he needs. You know, they, there's all these different cogs in the machine, but none of them know how they interact with everybody else, which he's done on purpose. I, I think really just goes to show how calculated ah, he is.
3: Ah, but let me throw this back at you, that's only calculated and, and described in the book. That does not come across in the television series. In the television that's story. true. That's yeah. the problem that I have with that, is the book lays that out much better. But go ahead. And that's
2: true. It. Um, and, and it's one of those things that I wish had come across yes, in, in the agreed. episode. Agreed.
1: Well, I wonder how, if some of that, because you see a lot of that in the latter part of the story of how these teams don't know the other parts, and I wonder if visually we might have seen some of that.
3: I think it's hard to yeah I think I don't it's know. hard to convey that visually because a lot of that's inner dialogue in the book or not even inner dialogue it's it's narration it's like, of yeah. of his yeah. his uh, uh characterization but what I found
2: about his demise, going back to that specifically the the book um they're they're separated from everything else by this big gigantic plastic barrier kind of force field thing. At least if that's how it's kind of interpreted. Yeah, so no, it's a big right. window. Describe that, way. You know? describe that way. It's a big plastic yeah. window. Um, and so they can see and but not react. And it's not until Elohim makes his appearance that Zaroff has to... Okay, I can't fend him off. Oh, the gun's outside. Okay, I'll raise the barrier and flee to get the gun. The way it's done on television... With it being a, 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 a different kind of setup, and then it's still technically a plastic barrier. It's just a bunch of cross beams, and there's, no, know, pla- there's
3: no plastic. because he's even he's well, grabbing the. Well, those yeah. those pipes are plastic. Well, man. that's PVC at yeah. its finest. Unfortunately, production wise, <laughs> it probably was, but but, but
2: that, that worked so well because it would it, it just it fundamentally made sense to me that you would. Okay, here's a barrier, and you can't get to me. Ha ha ha! But then when he gets trapped on the other side of it and the doctor lowers it back down. This is how crazy the guy is. That he's struggling to reach through the bars to pull the lever. And the water's coming in. And he knows it's coming in. We get that shot on the monitor of the security camera of him kind of, like, you know, just still reaching for it. That's how he's going to go. He is going to hang there trying to get to that lever because he's that nuts! He's lost. It is over, but he's going to try. And see, I just thought, wow, that is so cool. And I, I
3: can completely see what you're saying and why you appreciate that. I think the reason why I like the, re- the way that the book works better is the fact that this is, because he's so two- two-dimensional,
2: and that's great. And I, I,
3: I agree with you guys that I like the fact that this is guys just crazy for the sake of being crazy. I like that about it. But what I also like about it is that it gives the Atlantean sort of a uh redemption or at least a revenge an avenging of the fact that he has come in and completely from square one taken over and gained control and what this does is this gave at least the atlanteans some sort of semblance of uh retribution in the end because Lolum and and it's 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 not done in the TV show, so it works the way that it works, and it works well the way that it does in the television story because Lolom isn't developed. But because Lolom is developed very well in the book, and you can tell his de- despise, despising him, uh, despising L- uh, Zorov so much that it really brings that full circle for the book. So I think that's why I like it, because it gives the Atlanteans a little bit of retribution. Other- because they've just lost everything. Because of their full faith in this man who has completely uh, misguided them the entire time, and so that's why I, coming from my perspective, that's why I like that better. But I see, I see what you're saying, and I and I I I can understand why you would like that better. Um, I'm a
1: little torn between the two because I, I like. Oh, I I agree with I like what you said, Sean, and I like part of what you said, Glenn. But my my only problem with the the way the novel portrays it is. When we get to that point where he's hiding in there, I didn't get a hint earlier on that he was heading there to hide, so I just felt like, who's this guy? Where did he come from out of nowhere? And then they reveal that it's Lollum, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. It just feels like out of the blue, I'm just going to hide in this area and try to kill him when
3: I... It's a little do-sex machina. If they hadn't done the particular part in the chapter preceding that there was a man hiding in the corner... And let you in on the fact that there was someone there.
0: Well, I would have <laughs>
3: had the same problem, but w- because they gave us that, I, I at first thought, "Well, that's kind of out of the blue." It was this guy? But when they reveal who it is, I thought, "Okay, well, that makes sense." So that that worked for me. But I, I see where you're yeah, coming from as well.
1: It's that out of the blue part of the initial. I was like, "What? Oh, yeah. all,
3: all right." That being said, <laughs> the, no matter how two-dimensional this character was, and I'm completely fine with that. And no matter how over-the-top and scenery-chewing it was <laughs> per, per, uh, portrayed, Joseph's first portrayal of it is superb. Oh, absolutely. He is the best part of this story. Yep, and it's because of the, the way he time. taps into this character and makes it the way it is and makes you believe that he's just crazy, BS crazy for, for the sake of being BS crazy. <laughs> yeah. And and I like that, and it, it works. There are a lot of characters like that in science fiction and fantasy that when you look at it, well, the the, the priest in uh, uh, the Aztecs is is clearly over the top. It's a yeah. little too much, but the way that this character is encapsulated, it works so much. It yeah. is it, it putting that much emphasis in this in the character works so well.
1: He really fits the title of mad scientist. Yes, yeah, yes.
2: It, it's almost not quite because I think Patrick Trouton put his own spin on it, but it. Could almost I think be argued that maybe he pulled from this guy's performance when they went to do Enemy of the World I could that see they wanted Salamander, something. Yeah. Now obviously yeah. Salamander's much more calculating and, and with it he's not just the mad scientist, but when he gets into the monologuing and the, the, those kind of things, it, I I kind of went. I, I wonder if that's where he got that. Might have drawn from that. You know, yeah. as, as pulled that's from that
1: performance based. So
2: I could see that. So, but um, yeah, I just I he, his. Everything he did, even from down to the strange accent, was just like, yeah, that's who this guy is. <laughs> that this is, that is his
3: accent, by the way, because he is Aust- Austrian. Oh, is he really? So that I is not his did true accent. not know that. Yeah, yeah, that is his true accent.
2: I will refrain from making any funny accent comments. <laughs> he, is, he is an
3: <laughs> Austrian actor, and uh, that, that came out of that as well. Um, so I, w- I went into this story
1: not hearing great things about it. And I don't know if it's because I had my expectations so low. Sometimes and, it helps. And then it's a Trouton story, so it's automatically at this level for me <laughs> just because Trouton's in it. So it's it's already heads above most other Doctor Who stories because it's Trouton. Even though it's been in Poly. And Jamie is pretty great in this story too. But uh, I uh, for you, I think he is for he's being utilized a last well for being a, I, I'll, I'll especially talk. considering he's a last minute addition to the story well yeah, yeah. yeah I'll address it knowing right? the behind the scenes stuff I think he gets way he he's better used here than in the moon base
3: yep I I went into this the same way knowing the fan perception of this story and half of the the perceived notions of the story from fans I agree completely with, and half of them I, to- I totally disagree. One of the things that I, thought, I think is, is panned about this episode are the fish people. And See, I think I that, like that I think thing. it's justified because while I think they tried on some of them, and I appreciate <laughs> the, the, the uh, costuming yeah, that they did the on good, some, some of people. them are done with just masks and goggles and a, and a wetsuit, a white wetsuit, or not even a wetsuit. It's probably just like a bodysuit. So I've retconned that, by the way. It's, go ahead and almost as though, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as though they tried really hard at the first and then ran out of time for the rest. And so I, I agree. I think, I think the Spando Ballet scene <laughs> of the swimming, I think, was at, at oh, the very was... least an effort. <laughs> but I, that doesn't work for me. And I think that the scene in the marketplace, which in my head played out much better in the book, it Could, been have, better have, could have worked stage. had it not been had it not been so chaotic and such claustrophobic. I think the problem is that they were working with a. Uh, I think uh, I can't remember. What they said they were was that Elstree in that one, or Elstree was the, the underwater shots was the water shots because they had to use the tank. Yeah. But wherever they were, probably Pinewood for this one. Uh, it probably wasn't even Pinewood. Wherever they were for this one, BBC studios it in Studio. It could have been Studio Center. Could have been Studio Center. The. The, the, the feeling is too claustrophobic there's, there's too much going on And unfortunately, and this might have been the audio mix The music is mixed way too loud I could hardly hear what was going on And luckily I had the subtitles on Because yeah. I couldn't hear a lot of the dialogue that was going on in that. I noticed later in the special features When they played some of that clip back The audio came, came across much better So I wonder if it maybe was mm-hmm. just the mix down But that being said So that works and doesn't work for me I think the performances are are, are Well played out I think, unfortunately, it's too claustrophobic and too crowded and too chaotic. So I agree with the fan consensus on that, that that does, just doesn't quite work. What I disagree with with the fan uh, notion is that there's too many people in the TARDIS. And I've always heard that that uh, that uh, grumbling that, you know, they, they brought on Jamie, and Jamie was such a great character, and thankfully Jamie stayed around, and Ben and Polly ended up exiting. But I think... A lot of people complain that it's the crowd. This is the first instance of the crowdest starts you, you don't even count Ian and Barbara because there was as many people then as well. Yeah. But they, they because because they're divvying up the lines between Jamie and Ben, and I think what uh, even with uh, Polly as well. From what we uh, we learned from the special features of this or with the, the documentary of this is that they even shuff, shifted around some of Polly's lines to others. Then you throw in Jock and uh, or Jocko and uh, Sean. Sean. Yeah, how could I forget that? <laughs> well, Sean. That spelled wrong. And you've got even more people going on. Well, and then, but that being said, and then on yeah. it. But that being said, I think that whatever they did to, to divvy up the lines worked. I think it, so it worked too. really well. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was crowded. I don't think Jamie is as good in this as he is in things to come. But Jamie is well utilized in this. He does not feel like a fifth wheel, he yeah. doesn't feel like an add on. And then. Uh, the uh, interaction with the, the Doctor, and then the way that the characters are split off into their different areas, which I'll concede works much better in the book, but also <laughs> still works here. We have the teams that go off in the different directions, and it works. It, 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 there's, I don't feel like anybody's overutilized or underutilized. I think there's a, they strike a very good balance. So, I, so I disagree with the fan consensus on the fact that it feels too crowded, I, or as, as far as too many companions. But I think it, it actually naturally worked in this one and was, was grateful for them to be able to do that, especially since they had just taken Jamie off. So.
1: Well, I think maybe why I don't have as big of a problem with some of the things the fans do is my approach to Doctor Who in general is tend to overlook the effects or the sets that might not be as stellar because of you know how I was introduced to everything. So I can I can look, strikes again. <laughs> I can look at the fish people and admire the ambition that they had with those costumes and the 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 wire work that they tried to do in those scenes, and say, "Wow! Well, well, at least they very tried." And some parts may have worked better than others, but that doesn't take my enjoyment from the story away.
3: Yeah. See. How
2: I, do you, How do you reckon the fish people?
1: Dolphins of uh, other fish that aren't scaly.
3: No, I didn't go that way. Dolphins aren't fish, aren't so fish but they don't. I can't think you can call them fish people. So but I'm other, gonna, I'm going to strike that one right not now. Not all fish have scales. Like, like eels or things eels, like that. Eels, yeah, see?
2: I, I, I looked at it as a... They look like men in wetsuits. Maybe <laughs> they are, because maybe...
1: Maybe they're the handlers of the fish well, people? Well, maybe
2: it's a slower process to mutate them. Nobody said you were going to be injected with this and immediately become a fish. So maybe the ones with the big, beautiful headdresses and the scales and everything are the ones that have been evolved... Long enough to the point where this is their their, their natural form or the, their their final form, and the ones that have the the scuba diving gear are they've been affected they may have gills but they can't see underwater so they have to give them equipment to until they reach that
3: form and i thought i have now fixed this for myself that's a way better wreck on than what I had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that works for your head camera. it doesn't for me here's ultimately here's what it boils down to and this i think my this cemented my decision by watching the documentary for this this is a story that was way too ambitious for what they could pull off yep and ultimately, yeah, that's it, what it happened. And this is probably one that probably should not have happened where it happened. And if you, we, I won't go into much of the background of this story because if you want to know this, the you can go look at the special features. But it's it a whole really, other show when it, we start doing special features. This really actually <laughs> was one of the ones that. Yeah, that's right. We well, we still have that opportunity now. Uh, this is one of those ones that should have been done later down the line. It was written much too ambitiously, and then the director <laughs> that initially got it got off the project because he, he realized this is not going to work. And they slipped in the uh, director, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but they slipped her in. And for for what she did with it, I, I admire her. Again, I think I, I sort of appreciate the attempt, but it just doesn't quite get there. And so I, I, I have to come down on it as a, this is one that either should have been attempted later on, Or should never have been done in the first place, at least at this infancy. I totally
2: agree with you that it's way too ambitious. Their reach far exceeded their grasp in it. But I'm with Keith. I admire so much the fact that they even tried tried a water scene. I mean, have we looked at Doctor Who's budget? It's non-existent. How are we going to do this? You don't. We cut the scene, or we shoot it some way that doesn't involve real water. But nope, they had a tank. They had people in the tank. Now they also had wire work. Well, that's the, the, the water stuff. The, the, the water
3: stuff that is actually in water does work, despite does the fact work. that a couple of them are in scuba gear. Yeah, but no, no. But, I mean, <laughs> just sitting on the side of the shore, the ones actually still swimming in the water, it does work. Don't get me wrong. The wire stuff, I think, is that they went way went way too far.
2: I watched that wire scene, and all I could think of was the uh, the Zarby it was web, it was web planet all over again <laughs> yeah. and i think we kind of had the same reaction to that yes. it's not a great story but man if you didn't swing for the fence with this <laughs> and i can look at that and just go i this was 1960 help me out somebody give me a year when was this uh, this one or that three, four, five, one? Six,
3: one. Seven, 67 i believe
2: 1967 on television with I no got budget it right. holy
3: cow and you did that <laughs> the sad thing is, they actually had a budget, because this was only the third one in mine. They hadn't spent it all yet, but still. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to bet Power of the
2: Daleks is very expensive. We just don't know what it looked like. <laughs> well, and, and we know that there was location shooting in the Highlanders, so they yeah. may have budgeted the well, at that point. Yeah,
3: but it doesn't cost that much when they're staying in country. That's true. And they don't have to go too far north well, from London well. to shoot what looks like Scotland, so... Um,
1: I, well, I would
3: although there is I'm, I'm there not, are pirates in water in the islanders as well So, unlike the web Planet, I think this is a pretty good story It's yeah.
1: basic, it's simple, but it's a, a good thought out story see well uh, the, everyone gets the thing <laughs> to do, and some characters in the book get flushed out by it which is the story. exactly
3: why it works as a novel and does not work <laughs> well as a television story. It is a good story, and it works well when you're telling the story. It doesn't work well when you're showing. A it's story.
2: just it's just hard to visualize. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, is that, that the, being said, the I am so
3: glad that what we have found has been found. Oh yeah, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> absolutely. It, I I would rather I it think be in the archives as it, it could be the worst piece of junk ever, but it exists and it is a piece of Doctor Who and it is a piece of television history that should remain intact. I, I, and I
1: think the the fact that the first and last story are gone hinders this. Overall story. It does, and does, you're
3: just getting the middle, middle chunk of it. If
1: it were just one of the four, I think the the enjoyment level of the story would be even lower. Yeah. Especially considering how they reconstructed the story.
3: Which is funny, because I think I also read that there was one episode that still existed. Yeah. They have but found the net, the second episode. Yeah, yeah. Why they decided to do this. I, I, I really would have preferred animation. I'll tell you, well, let's go yeah, into the, the so stills, too. because I've been watching Loose Cannon... And they put so much love and affection and attempt in them that it was really frustrating. And I understand this is what they did, is the guy that put this together put this together in chronological sequence. He utilized this as pure as he could as he felt he could by putting the stills in and not repeating stills and putting them in an exact order as they were telesnapped at the time. So I can appreciate the Idea of what they were doing. Unfortunately, it does very little to illustrate or tell the story. I had to turn the subtitles on to figure out who was talking sometimes because even yeah. loose canon will show you who's talking. They may have to utilize a still from later or earlier or even sometimes from story. another story. Yeah. But you get an idea, a conveyance of who's talking based on seeing that and you get a little more action. They also have done things as primitive as they as it seems from the days that they were doing them in the late '90s and early 2000s. They would cut out things, they would move things, they would they would at well, least put some sort of production into it. They would uh, do a very rudimentary animation of something in order to convey something that's happening. We even got that in Galaxy Four, which to entertain. That's the sad thing about it is to entertain, put the effort to do it into Galaxy Four, and they didn't put it into it. This again, it comes it, it, down to the guy that did the restoration.
1: To some extent, it feels like the, well, we're not going to get to animate these,
3: and it felt like a rushed... It did. It felt like we just threw this together. Yeah. The other thing that irritated me, and this probably irritated me more than anything, is well, I can appreciate you putting the stills together in chronological order to maybe try to keep the integrity of the purity of how it happened... There are two clips on the disc <laughs> that are the censored yeah. clips that were taken out when it was sent to, the, to Australia or, and New Zealand. They're the clips that the censors pulled because they felt they were too scary or graphic or too much for the uh, episode. There is one from the first missing episode and there was one from the last missing episode. That great death scene. And they didn't the Great Death Scene that we just saw the one still for the longest time of Zaroff going under the water for about the longest time. That actually shows about seven seconds of him actually going under the water. I'm sorry. That I been would cut back, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. care if the entire First episode and second episode are only stills with just those two moments. The other one is when Polly is at the end on the uh gurney. The and, uh, Leon, not Leon, what's what was the guy? L- L- Damon. No, Damon. Damon. Damon is coming at her with the needle to turn her into a fish. That's the other piece that's cut. And she's screaming, No, no, no. Why on earth would you not have cut those in? I don't care if it's only seven seconds here and seven seconds here. They were very impactful pieces that yeah. would have helped. What and and, really and why helped. did
2: we get stills for the opening credits? Why, yeah, why did we
3: get stills for the opening credits? Yes.
2: No, I mean Well, well why did we? Yes, i did yeah. Why didn't we get moving credits? I'm yeah, sorry, you be... have the opening credits sequence. If you want to play that and then go to a still of a title card that says the underwater menace Fine, I got zero problem with that. But don't make me sit through a static image that I don't have to sit through. Right, right. That's the.
3: It just. And I think Keith Keith hits the nail on the head with it, it really feels like it was rushed and. Uh, that's unfortunate. I don't know why it was because rushed? Because it took so
1: long for it to come out on well, DVD. <laughs> well, maybe it was rushed
2: to get it done, and then it got held up. Maybe
3: I think that, that's, that ultimately what happens. Is they? I think they, they must have still been holding on to the idea that they might have this animated. Yeah. So they had this ready and just threw it in. You know, so anyway, yes. I, I, I I I try not to judge the story. Based on the application of the reconstruction, it just makes the watching
1: experience not as enjoyable.
3: And I have seen, it's been so long ago that I couldn't remember how Loose Cannon did it, but I remember not being as distracted when (laughs) Loose Cannon did it. So I think that now I would like to go back and at least watch those book in stories or book in episodes. With the loose cannon reconstructions, and see if if it actually comes across a little better.
2: I definitely can agree. I mean, I think we can all agree that this is a ripe for animation story. Yeah. That I, th- oh, I yeah. think the animation yeah. could do some amazingly cool things with that fourth part. Oh, a- yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and even if we, you know, maybe stray off script a little bit from what necessarily had been filmed, but with the, the sea coming in through the seawalls and yes. things being exaggerating flooded and, it, and, and, yeah, and, yeah, I just. Well, it's the, the frustrating.
1: Roommate, uh, changed some shots, from what I understand, too. So, I mean, it's not like they haven't done that before. Yeah.
2: And I'm fine with it, I really. <laughs> yeah, because
1: you know, that tight shot of the Cyberman head, of the way they did all that was so well done. Yeah. If they could do that
2: for this, it would be amazing. I, I, I think it would change a lot of fans' perception of, of the story, quite honestly, yeah, yeah. because I think a lot of fans have watched it only as a Telesnap version. And if it's this kind of telesnap, no, I'm sure the, then the, yeah, the loose
1: cannons does a it has to do a better job. Yeah, it's, I mean, that, at least they provide text to there's explain a, what's yeah, happening. And
3: that's the other thing that was missing. They did on that this for Galaxy there was, Four. There was they no, didn't do it for this. no information. Although on I don't think they on. did it for Web of Fear either. It almost makes you wonder if they didn't the Galaxy feel like they needed to. It's almost like they had more telesnaps for that. Yeah, project. they probably did. Which is interesting because the further along we get with the reconstructions, the fewer telesnaps exist mm. and the reason being is because this man and I, I every time I come to these I, I want to I'm going to look at this man's name and remember it because I've, I've read it many times but this man that took these telesteps over over the course of Doctor Who took fewer and fewer because he wasn't selling as many uh. because the the idea behind this is this there was a man in the 1960s who would literally set up a camera in front of a television and we'd take snaps of the television and that's why it's called a telesnap and what he would do is he would utilize those telesnaps and sell those to the actors because they didn't have videotape at the time. And so what he would do is he would sell those to the studios for production, he would, for produ- uh, promotion. He would sell them to the actors so that they would have uh, a, a, a dossier of their work. And uh, that was basically his job, was to take and sell these telesnaps. And fortunately, a good chunk of these telesnaps eventually have made it back to the archives. But it's funny because over the years... Before he died, and even after his died, his widow tried to sell these back to the to BBC, and they didn't want them. And I don't know if it came down to the point of that he was just they were just asking too much for them or what. And it wasn't eventually until a collector, I think, ended up buying them and ended up giving them back, or at least <laughs> selling them at a more reduced price to the BBC that we still even have the telesnaps to this day. So,
2: anyway, no, yeah, it's. I thank goodness we've got at least that. But Oh, yeah. It, it just, I, I feel that probably most of fandom has probably watched it in an original cut-down, not loose cannons, taken-care-of, telesnap version. And that's why the stigma is or there. Or just listen to the audio. Or just listen to the audio and go, eh. And uh, it, it's unfortunate, because I, I kind of agree with you, Keith. I kind of go into him with a, well, fandom says this. Now, I know fandom's wrong. A lot. <laughs>
3: We've had experience
2: with that on some things that we've disagreed with fandom on. But normally, when there's a consensus, you kind of go, well, there must be something to that. So you put your expectations kind of at a certain point. But because I think this is, I mean, it's the last DVD in the line. Realistically, unless something miraculous happens, this is it. We're done and we didn't, we didn't get it, we didn't get it, we didn't get it, and then we were going to get it, and then they bumped it, and then it just, on and on and on. So I think my expectations probably went up a little bit, with like, what is this thing that you're holding on to? Why don't Why you want you me to see it? <laughs> um, and so, from that aspect, yeah, I was a little disappointed with the story, in, in, in that regard, because I had kind of built it up to this, it's the last missing trouton that we're ever going to find, and, you know, and, you know, yeah, it's a little bit of a stinker. But I... I think maybe because of that, I go into it looking so hard for those nuggets of things like Zarov and the you know the, the production. Mm-hmm. And I maintain, you were absolutely right with that uh, uh, marketplace scene. I thought they did a phenomenal job shooting it in such a way as to make it. I think it's better done, that market is better done than the one we get later in is a kinder, kinder or snake dance yeah. where they're running through. That one to me looks like you had one oh, street no, uh- shot.
3: It is snake dance. It's snake dance. Yeah, it's the second dance. one, right? Yes.
2: It looks like you had one narrow street shot of tents, and you did some fancy editing to make it try and look different, and you failed because I can only yeah, see one. At least one it scene. had a square. in I this think, one. I'm, this one looks like it was kind of all over the place. Now here's the detriment. I disagree. I think it's. I, it's, it, I think it's the this camera cam- work is the, the camera
3: is the problem in this one because yes. they stay on the camera far too long. They they follow they our cut. they follow our actors and don't cut.
2: I, I agree. I well, think that's a
3: production style more than anything else. I,
2: I think man. they make me believe that this is a legit marketplace. Unfortunately, they lose me with the action, as you mentioned, the chaoticness of how it's put together. And, and so that one I can kind of chalk up as to, well, you did this because you had to to try and kind of give it some scale, yeah. but unfortunately, it came at the sacrifice of something else. I think a lot of that, too is so. is
3: they were still shooting a lot of this with the mentality of the one take. Yeah, aspect. yeah, they, they they shot these like a stage play. They did that a lot. Uh, they they start to feel less like that because of the location shooting, but they still are, have that mentality on the state, the take, and the style. And because they do that here, it really looked like a stage production for me. So, but
2: what a stage production! How many extras were in that scene? Are you commented <laughs> on that. Yeah, oh it's, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you it's said huge. that, and I went
3: back and I zoomed through it again. And there's probably only about ten people and. Four of them are our main act Five that's of them a, are our That's main a good actors.
1: use of the people to make See, it dis- look like they're I disagree
3: fuller. because there's only five other extras in there. I think if you wanted to make... I think they could have made it fuller by putting more people in there. Unfortunately, by putting more people in there, it would have been even more chaotic. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I disagree. I think... I don't think... <laughs> looking back on it, I think it's because everything's moving so quickly. It looks uh, like there's more people in okay. there. But well, looking man, back on maybe it, that it is, it's the but... same people you're seeing over and over again. So...
2: And maybe maybe that's it. Maybe the, the, the way it's cut together is what gives me that sense of scale that there's so many people in this set, but it came at the expense of the storytelling. I the, think the, it looks the, like there's the so many people in that set
3: because that set was about a 7 by 10. <laughs> because and it's I so small. I, I really think that's what it is. I think it's because of the claustrophobic feel of it. That's why it feels like there's a lot of people in there. Maybe that works to their advantage. If you guys felt that way, it works to their advantage that it did that but yeah, it no, did for me. I, was I, like, I
2: don't mind that it's the same five people. I felt like there were 50 people in that room, which to me is impressive. Again, 1967, you managed to pull one over on me and make me believe that this was a much bigger deal than it was. I think but I agree a, with you that it's too chaotic, and the way it was described in the book, again, you had the time to kind of plan it out. Yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 da. Another thing that's significantly different now. is the, uh, the temple. When they're making the sacrifice in the book, I had something completely different. It sounded different like they envisioned.
1: were hanging upside
3: down, and yeah. going down in the book. That as and the water was, st- things were which you can do. Doing this you and, can do, especially when you write a book knowing that these episodes are missing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> you know, you don't have to match what's on on screen because you understand that. Well, nobody's ever going to see this. Well, I was really looking forward print to print it because
2: it. I, I read it two or three times. That passage in the book, and I still wasn't quite sure what the the, the torture device was going to be. So I thought, well, I'll just, you know,
3: I'll get to it when we get
2: to the finale. And then it was like, whoa, <laughs> that's not what was described at all. I think
3: the other thing that disappointed me was there was a lot, and, it, and this has to do with the set and how you, how they how they were able to do it. Is a lot of the book the hiding places behind the yeah Amor, inside uh, what was the uh, endo uh, endo inside was Ando's behind endo's head. Ando's head and uh, while they still did that because they went through that passage you never saw back there and so they couldn't utilize that so every time that Polly's hiding she's out in the, in the middle of this temple when there's nobody there and then running around to the side of Ando's head when people yeah, come was kind of mine, and so of it was a little bit that. of a oh that's unfortunate <laughs> that that was painted in my head in the book much better than yeah. it was portrayed in the
2: television show I, I would agree with that I also thought the um the the, the octopus I was really disappointed that it wasn't an octopus (laughs) that it wasn't an octopus and I I, again I totally get why it wasn't an octopus (laughs) (laughs) the the production manager and the director got together and they looked at the script and they went we're xing that there's no way we're getting I was kind of surprised they didn't try to like just
1: make a paper mache
2: octopus it didn't have
1: to move it just had to be there
3: yeah but I, I think... They didn't have any money after they <laughs> did to the, the fish people. people. They, they you, couldn't you, finish the fish people, yeah. so they couldn't make an octopus. Maybe an octopus was on the list, but it was <laughs>
1: Even
2: a big rubber a, tentacle that just slammed earth. up against the glass every now That's, and then would have, have been works, far too it works so well much. for
3: the nesting consciousness in the... Uh, <laughs> it does. Yeah, in the spearhead. Uh, it's uh, it's, it's spearhead yeah. 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 It works so well with just seeing the tentacles. You imagine there's a much larger beast in there. And we do see some more of it eye and head. But... Yeah, I think that a, a rubber tentacle would have even conveyed yeah. it. Just have more of the, uh, the the octopus off screen and leave it to my imagination as to what it looked like. But I, I'm not the director of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> so some, somewhere at a,
2: at a cafe in, in London after this was all over, the director and the production designer got together. The director's got his head in his hands and he's going, I really wanted to show that octopus. I really wanted just a rubber tentacle would have worked fine and the production manager lays a hand on his shoulder and says don't worry about it no one will even remember this story 50 years from now <laughs> it's not like people are going to sit around and discuss the tentacle that wasn't there
3: anything else about this story before we wrap this show up I think
1: part of my part of my enjoyment of the story also comes from I've, I've discovered that reading the book before watching it in general for most of these stories Elevates the story for me. Uh, the Crusade was the same way. Galaxy 4. Even the Moonbase, to some extent, because I had read that before they released the DVD, thinking they weren't going to release it. So I, I think that's part of why why it, the story gets even bumped up higher for me, is because that novel leading into it, novelization leading into it, helps el- uh, flesh out the story, and I can fill in the gaps that don't get included on TV in my head. Even...
3: Uh- even me stating that I was up two minds as to how this colored my perception of it, I'm still glad in the in the long run that I read the novelization first. Because I think, yes, I, I appreciate the story because I I think it lends to the understanding of what's going on in the story yeah. better. Because you, I- you know the motivations of the people better because you're inside their heads. And
1: especially in those telesnap stories. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, I, I like the plot of the story of the Doctor and his companions wind up on... This mountain, and then get kidnapped by Atlantis. Atlanteans. I found the Atlantean society interesting, and supporting characters. Interesting supporting characters. Some could have been used better than others. Like, uh, what was her fa What was her name? The, like the the, the 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 woman that was helping. Anna. 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 I think it's Anna. 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 Something Anna. like that. Could have been delved into a little bit more, but arra, like like, arra, arra, like they did in the book. But I understood why it wasn't there in the story. But and it just it, the, the the way the story plays out. It's just it's it's simple, but it's enjoyable for me.
3: I think, I think that's where I come down. On everything the that's there intact is the king, King Theos, I think is his name. Uh, all of that, yeah, it worked. There was there oh, was yeah. very little deviation in that. And it worked well. And, and uh, were, with same with Damon, I think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think so too.
3: I think it it goes I've got two things I want and
1: I, I sorry I also like uh, Zaroff's plot the fact that he wants to do this horrible thing just because he can and has tricked them into believing that it's going to elevate Atlantis. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just all of these little things fit together to a story that I enjoy.
2: I agree with you. I I think it's a I think it's a fun story. Yes, it's a simple little adventure tale and reading the book it felt to me very much like Oh, I don't know. Reading um, some of the early Indiana Jones books or something—it's just yeah, we're going to go on an adventure. We're going to—they're going to be mountain climbing, and, and there is a lost civilization inside the volcano. <laughs> its journey okay. Yeah, I mean we're just we're right there with it, and I think it's—you you talked earlier about the uh, the large kind of uh, cast that they had to divvy up some of the lines between between Team TARDIS and then Jocko and Sean and and uh, Anna and the King and everything. But it, it almost, in a way, kind of goes to show you how under his thumb Zaroff had everybody, that within five minutes of landing, we've already assembled a very large <laughs> counter-strike team well, to go against him and his guards. E-
1: even in the actual TV story, they, they give enough to people not being happy about Zarov's what he's doing, and not believing him, and not trusting him, and it just took that outside presence to go, no, that guy's crazy, Yeah, to rise up everybody else with him.
2: And it, it it really the
1: slaves of course make sense, but it's the Atlanteans that really land the impact of wow he really is crazy.
2: And it, it we, we joked about it that Zarov was a little too close to Zarkov for for Artes from Flash <laughs> Gordon. That's what I kept hearing every time somebody said his name.
1: More more so in the book than
2: watching it. Definitely. But the first thing that happened is uh, you know immediately after we get out of the temple mess and we start finding allies all I could think of was the scene from Flash Gordon where Zarkov says, you know, it looks like a police state. Oh, that could be to our advantage. We'll find allies on every side. <laughs> and it's just like, yep, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> There's, here they all come. Um, I want to go back to Jamie for just a second, because I think for this being Jamie's first excursion, I mean, we obviously he was in the Highlanders, but this is his first trip. This is his first I'm in the TARDIS and then I'm out of the TARDIS and look where I'm caught up. Dude... And maybe this is due to Fraser's performance. Maybe it's due to the, 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 the fact that they kind of knew they wanted to keep him around. He exhibited every single trait you would want in a good ongoing companion right off the bat. Uh, keep in mind, this guy's from the highlands of Scotland. He's barely more uh, civilized than the Atlanteans themselves. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. quite literally. Yeah. But he's quick on the uptake, and he's with them, and he's there, and he doesn't ever do it in a way that there was never a moment that I thought oh, that's out of character for somebody who wouldn't know what that is, you know. And the book I think has fun kind of playing along with some of the things, like the bit at the end with them trying to explain, uh, right. uh, a word play or whatever. Uh, oh the, yeah, yeah. The, the catchphrase was that uh, you can say that again, and so he does, and it's like no, no, no. Just little things well, and like that. There are
1: other great moments like that throughout the actual TV story. why right, Some of the just, best moments are the, f- the the four of them together, or the three of them, to- of the three companions together. And it's just
2: right it there. And when he's split off on his own, he's still making decisions that are are very Jamie. You know, well, and he's and like, "What if I'd, pa- I'd been caught with this it, thing?" You know. And
1: him and Polly together near the end when they're trying to escape, and him encouraging her and trying to get her to keep going. And the 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 even though he's doubting that they will survive convincingly. He puts all to... that aside for her.
3: Yeah. It just worked for me it's, on every level. It's funny, though, because I think our perspective of Jamie comes from a much later time. <laughs> it's true. And, You're very true, well, so I'm probably reading a lot into that. Well, here's, that, here's what I'm saying, though. is it, The reason why it worked for us is because it is the Jamie that we've grown to know and love. There's, there's no deviation from it, which works well. Ultimately, though, I think what has happened is, is that because Jamie ended up with a lot of Ben's lines... He was automatically modeled to be that way from that point on. And so I think that that's the reason why that's the Jamie we know and love and accept. I think had this been a conceived character from the beginning to come along, we would have had more of the primitive Leela aspect of it, where there is a lot more questioning. There's a lot less understanding. I think by giving him Ben's lines without changing the aspect of it, he is you know 300 years older than anybody else sort of kind of shaped the character in the first place of what we like about Jamie now. And so that's why we see that, because we're seeing Ben's lines coming out of Jamie's mouth, and we accept it now because we're familiar enough with Jamie in that way, but I think that had... Jamie not been conceived the way that he was just thrown into it and had he been conceived as a Scotsman from the 17th century that joins the TARDIS, we would have got a lot more of the questioning and the, the, the not quite certain about what's going on or just kind of going along with it because he has to put all his trust in these people that might know what they're doing. So I think that that probably has been shaped based on that element.
2: That's a very, very good point. I, I wonder if my perceptions, I mean, obviously my perceptions would be different. But I wonder if my feelings would be different. Had I watched these in Literally, chronological order, yeah. as, as they were, because you might have out. been
3: questioning why is he so, why is why is he not questioning us? Why is he not? Yeah, you know, if but see, if I still f-
2: I, I still time. found Jamie questioning, but well, it, does, m- it more does, along the lines, does, and, and but, maybe it's because I haven't seen the Highlanders yet, so I don't know his introduction, so I don't know what that's like. Uh, well, I'll never get to, to see the Highlanders, very but different. Um, <laughs> you know, Jamie's
3: that was the most listening. I I haven't watched the Telesnap reconstruction reconstruction that listening to the audio for that Jamie is drastically different. But I also, because he's in his own familiar element, I think that's why I'm more forgiving or accepting of that. Because he does he he, he does change quite a bit from the Highlanders to even this story in the perception of Jamie. But I have so much knowledge of Jamie, Jamie from everything that I've experienced before even went back to the Highlanders that that one does it's not drastically different. He's still He's still this fun, comical character that you we get, the, those aspects of it. But he's also very, I don't want to say he's underutilized. He's utilized as much as he needed to be for the character. But obviously he had some sort of charisma for the uh, showrunner at the time or the producer at the time to say, yeah, let's bring Jamie on to the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. onto the uh, artist. Anything else, guys? so all right I, I do so want to know. bring up one thing that uh, we might have battle on because like, you you may have a way to headcanon the different instances of Atlantis oh yeah let's talk about uh,
2: how this is the th- first and yet third this for is us. yeah first and yet third
3: <laughs> um, I think it's interesting I think I come down on I, I think the consensus of Vanden is that these are three different atlantis that these don't really work together. I think that uh, we probably want them to be the same. But I think the thing that submitted it for me, because I I kind of wanted them all to kind of interact, and in fact I just went and watched the Time Monster again this time, and the Atlanteans there are quite different. Now, granted, the Atlanteans that we come across in underwater menace are, it is 1970s, and these are the Atlanteans. They just are using their old ways, but this is obviously several generations removed from the Atlanteans that we get in Time Monster. But because the civilization is so drastically different, I had always kind of put it in my head. I wonder if it's one of those instances like, well, there's at least three different Manhattans in the United States. There's at least <laughs> there's at least five different Topekas on the map in the United States. Uh, there's ones that are more known than others. Uh, but So I've always got to put it in my head. But I think the thing that cemented it for me, that from the television series, acknowledging that there are three different Atlantises in the Doctor's history, is the fact that in the Magician's uh <laughs> Apprentice, when they're you, they're documenting all of the, or they they're looking at all of the different places that the doctor has been when they're trying to locate him in time. They make special reference to the fact that there are three, <laughs> there were, yeah. there was Atlantis, three different Atlantises, three di- three different instances of Atlantis. Yeah. So I think that 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 to me comes down on the fact that I have to go to the side of most of the rest of fandom that says, well, these were just three different Atlantises. They well, and all the way the, this,
1: the way this one ends. I need to go back and rewatch Time Monster. It was the third instance. Was that just a reference? Or did we actually get to see a third story? I'm trying to remember.
3: I know there are three references based on looking back over material, but I can't remember the third reference to Atlantis. I know that the Underwater Menace is one, the uh, uh, Time, time monster. monster is two. And I know that Azul references Atlantis and the demons. In fact, he says that it would be the demons coming back to Earth would be like the extinction of Atlantis. So he just makes the reference to mm. the cataclysmic event that would be caused when he brings the if he brings the demons back through.
1: Well, and, and so it depends on what that third one is. If it's that's that or something else, because the Atlanteans no longer have a home, it's all they. Uh, can almost relocate and have a new Atlantis and just not add the new to it and just call it Atlantis and so depends on the situation of that other one obviously it doesn't quite work for the time monster but you could almost retcon it that way because this Atlantis is now gone although this Atlantis is now truly underwater
2: uh, bah 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 bah. It had flourished in part due to the crystal of Kronos, which had been given to them by the Atl- the alien demons. Demons. Uh, that's prose. That doesn't count. Atlantis was destroyed when the master released the chronovore Kronos, the time monster. Right. An underwater Atlantean outpost survived beneath the ocean. Well, now that's how. That's, that's how. That's how this Mars is how wiki, wiki is is, ret- is clarifying it. it. Yes,
3: clarifies it.
2: Uh, and then later, the demon the the demon Azal. Is all pointed to the destruction of Atlantis as a warning of what might happen if he considered Earth uh, in the
3: day. And those are the only television references. And so those are the until only television references. Apprentice that references. Now there is
2: um, apparently there's a six. daughter... What are you trying to? I consult? think they've
3: also uh, in the Santaran experiment, the Doctor refers to Atlantis as a legend, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: and he's already been there twice. <laughs> <laughs> No, there's, there's always been that kind of... Uh, he, uh, he compares cake. Nerva to Atlantis, yeah. that they were both
2: subject of legend. Subject of legend. So I'm right, I'm okay right. with that one.
3: That might be the other one that they're uh, referencing. but I, I could only remember him visiting Atlantis twice in this television.
2: According scene. to uh, the Sixth Doctor, once told his companion Flip, there were several versions of Atlantis in uh, the audio Antidote to Oblivion. And
3: I think that was probably Big Finish's uh, attempt at uh, retconning, retconning the fact that there are.
2: And apparently, in a book, the Doctor's Next Incarnation mentioned there were three Atlantis and he had visited all of them. Yeah. So I think that was the,
3: no- <laughs> the novel's way of trying to <laughs> retcon the several entrances. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that strong. third
1: one is just New Atlantis. Maybe.
3: All right. Anything else that we want to talk about on this one? If not, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule?
2: Well, coming up next week on the schedule is uh, some Seventh Doctor love. We're going to do Time and the Ronnie, uh, which is one of my favorites. I know Glenn doesn't like it, but we're going to do it anyway. It's been a
3: while. Oh, I, I'm, I'm having a new love for the Seventh Doctor. Well, good. Yeah, See, I, we're going every to time, every time we rewatch one after I've. Of course, you know a, a lot of a lot of that's painted by. The fact that I'm loving the new adventures and the Virgin New Adventures, and every time that I see something with Sylvester McCoy, I just fall in more and more love with the man. Uh, so, <laughs> easier. I, I, I still. I, get, I won't I, be able
2: to say. Glenn doesn't like this one. <laughs> I still get
3: into. Well, I still get into the aspect that I, I still. I try to see the stories beyond my initial. They're still not good stories. Some of those are not good stories. They aren't good until we get into that final twenty-sixth season. However, that being said... I agree with Andrew Cartmell.
2: The first season's a little rocky. There are he he so would roll many, over if he heard me say, I like Time in the Rye. There are so <laughs> many
3: thing elements about the Seventh Doctor and, and, and Ace, and even Seventh Doctor and Mel, that, that work on so much a different level that it gives me a new appreciation for those stories. And I actually enjoy going back and watching them to look for those elements that I missed because the story was so bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, we're going to be uh, talking about The Seventh Doctor and Mel, uh, but we will be reviewing a Big Finish number 70, Unregenerate, uh, since we've already reviewed uh, Time on the Ronnie. Uh, and then the following week is Midnight, so you get some Tenth Doctor love, but one that uh, we've not done on the show, uh, which sets us up for Beyond the Doctor, David Tennant. And we will be watching a film uh, that has come out called What We Did on Our Holiday, which I chuckle at because it's not a vacation. <laughs> Obviously, it's a British production. Um, and then uh, we'll follow that up with The Moon Base. And we're going to go back to some, the, uh, the some, next some Patrick and love. How often does one? that happen? Uh, which is going to give us a, a lunar-themed episode here on the show, because we're going to cover the uh, TV comic Moon Landing, and then also give our book review of the Lethbridge-Stewart uh, book Moonblink, that is uh, freshly out uh, by Sadie Miller, daughter of Elizabeth Sladen. Who shows up in the following story at the end of June? Mask of Men, how's it pronounced? Mandra-
3: Mask of because
2: it's spelled Dragora.
3: I think it's Mask of Mandragora is how I've heard it.
2: Okay, it's one that I haven't seen. Uh, and then we'll a be fourth Doctor story. A fourth you haven't Doctor seen? story. At least, otherwise, I don't know that I've seen it. I don't remember it. I may watch it and go, "Oh yeah, I remember this." That one. Happens to me with the <laughs> Fifth
3: Doctor era. I go, "I watched a lot more of these when I was a kid than I thought I did." <laughs> <at Fifth> <laughs>
2: Uh, but we'll uh, we'll be reviewing that uh, for our because it's one that we haven't reviewed at all yeah. on the podcast, so it's a new one to us, and we'll be Woo-hoo. reviewing that for the end of June. Um, and of course, schedule is posted on the website, and uh, if you would like to follow along with us on these grand adventures of things we're going to be uh, doing and reviewing, then uh, please do so.
3: We talked a little bit about our uh, sponsorship, well, our support uh, for Patreon. We'll go into that again, but if you, uh, would, you would consider. Uh, Clicking through some of the links on our page to the sponsors on the website, www.travelingthevortex.com. If you're going to Amazon to purchase things or Tenth Planet or anything like that, a portion of those proceeds go right back into this show. Keith mentioned all the various forms of social media and ways you can contact us, so let's just close this show now. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I am Glenn.
2: I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you.
3: No one can stop
2: me now. <laughs> <laughs>